Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. Hello, movie fans, and welcome to another episode of Anatomy of a Movie here on the Popcorn Talk Network, where, after following that maniacal laugh, we're going to be talking about, of course, Downtown Abbey. <laughs> That's a joke. That's a joke. The joke's on you. The joke's on me. But uh, yes, we are talking about. Hey! I feel like Rupert Pumpkin. Yeah. Which we'll talk about later. <laughs> um, so, yes, thank you for joining Anatomy of a Movie. We are today going to be talking Joker, one of the most anticipated movies of the year, going in, uh, especially going into the awards season. Uh, and uh, we're very, I'm very pleased to have a great panel to, to break and dissect everything. Um, before I introduce you to the panel, I do want to... Uh, do a, a major warning, a spoiler warning. Uh, spoiler alert! Major spoiler, spoiler alert. alert here. Spoiler alert! Shields up! Spoiler alert! Uh, if you have not seen Joker, please put this on pause now. Go see the movie, uh, and then come back because this is going to be spoilerific. And that is no joke. Uh, don't want to ruin the movie for you. Uh, we want you to go in, make up your own opinion to see the movie. But, spoiler, 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 this is a not a spoiler-free zone. Very spoiler-filled review and dissection, which this movie deserves, of Joker. Now, let me introduce you to the panel. Uh, right to my immediate right, ladies first, Mina Wahab, who's uh, wow. no stranger to what not of the movie. I'm so excited to return after our hiatus. Yes. This first time we've ever worked together, yeah, I'm so, so I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this film and working with you some more. So, Same here. Um, I'm Scott Menzel. Uh, you can find me on Meet the Movie <laughs> Press and Film Critics Weekly. Thank you. Okay, and again, my name is Dimitri Panos, uh, right here, Popcorn Talk Network, Anatomy of a Movie. So, uh, we've got a lot to break down. Yes. There is a lot to break down about this particular movie, so we're going to get right into it. And uh, as we always start off, we're going to go in with our opinions and reviews of the movie only, so I'm going to start off again. Always, I always defer ladies first. Mina, what are your thoughts on Joker? Joker was incredible, you guys. It was something that we really needed to see in this like DC verse of superheroes because it's not your typical superhero movie. It's an origin story and what I love the most about this movie is that it really humanizes the Joker in a way that we've never seen before and it also grapples with the main themes of dreams versus reality, much like in the movies like Inception, The Matrix. It has that that theme of like, okay, what's going on? Is this really inside his head? Is this reality? So there was so much done in this movie that I just, I give this movie two thumbs up because it really did blow me away, especially Joaquin Phoenix's portrayal of the Joker. He just, like, hats off to him because this was a chilling performance. It's, it's so hard to, like, have empathy for a character who's that creepy, and I had empathy for a character who also gave me chills, so... Excellent. Yeah. Um, this movie is something else. This this is a special film, something that we have not seen from the DC Universe, but also we haven't seen on the big screen in quite some time. Uh, and we're going to be talking about it later, but there's so, much, so many nods to movies from the 60s, 70s, and 80s within this film. Uh, commentary on mental health, on society, the treatment of others, treatment of poor people and as everyone and I will echo, echo you and say Joaquin Phoenix is just a force of nature in this film and just incredible and this is his 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 statue he, he deserves that statue for this movie he's that great. Oh 100% mm-hmm. yeah I mean for me uh, Joker is DC's best movie outing since the Nolan years, uh, and it's it's not a superhero movie, not at all. It's not even to me. It's not even an origin story. For me, this is a gritty crime drama, and it's a journey in a madness that mirrors current societal dystopic events. Uh, it's dark. 
It's unsettling. It's nihilistic. It's the type of movies they used to make uh, in the 70s and the very early 80s, um, which we're going to talk about this time period in which it's in. Um, I agree. Like, Joaquin Phoenix's performance is the kind of performance, too, that the Academy loves. Uh, And we'll talk about its legacy and its Oscar uh, a little bit later in the show, but everybody here seems to be in agreement. He should at the very least get a nomination, maybe walk away with the statuette, um, because the the Academy loves transformation. Mm -hmm. And he transformed to play the role of Arthur Flack. So we'll talk a little bit about that uh, later. Um, so right now, I want to I want to start talking about I want to do a little character study about Arthur Flack himself, played by Joaquin Phoenix. Arthur Flack is the character, uh, which eventually uh, well devolves into the Joker, and I want to talk about specifically uh, his relationships throughout the entire movie. These relationships. Uh, can make a person or break a person. And we're also going to talk about, and again, I have to bring up, spoiler, 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 you know, what happens in certain relationships. And the first one uh, I have to talk about, or I want to talk about, is Arthur Fleck's relationship with his mother, Penny Fleck. Okay. Um, What did you think? Uh, Again, ladies first, Mina... His relationship, Arthur Fleck's relationship with, with, with Penny, his mom. Um, it, it was one of those things that when I say I have empathy for his character, I genuinely have so much empathy for Arthur Fleck because here he is in such a like horrible squalor living in this apartment and taking care of his mother who is ill and you can't really tell if she is psychologically unsound or if that's something that's made up like we don't know this for sure we don't know with 100% certainty whether she is psychologically unsound whether she really does we kind of do find psychosis. out though. We, we, we find do. out we find out a little bit but we still don't know like what's happening inside Joker's head and what is reality and if he's being lied to or if he is being told the truth about everything but we, well, I want to talk well let's talk about yeah, this let's um, talk about that um, and, and well Scott what do you think before we get because this is a deep dive oh this yeah is this a is a really deep, deep dive um, thought process I mean this is to me this is the most <clears throat> important relationship in the entire movie mm-hmm. um, because most of the plot as the movie moves along you learn more about the relationship with the mother whether or not it ties directly to Arthur or not it may tie to another character in the film a character named Thomas Wayne and we're going to talk we, we, about we learn a little bit about that relationship that may or may not occurred which is I think a point which you're getting to yes. whether or not she actually had any involvement in Thomas Thomas Wayne's life and whether they did have an affair and whether the whose kid was really who was Arthur's father Mm-hmm. We never get an answer to that in this film. No. And that's why I think the mother storyline is so important in mm-hmm. this movie. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. We don't we don't know if it, she's telling the truth. We don't she's looking to Thomas Wayne as the figure that's gonna save Gotham City. She it's almost like she's the also, Stockholm syndrome. She's type also thing. looking not just Gotham City, but her, her family. Yeah, her family. So um all right, so let's talk about this because we hear it from the mother's side. She worked for the Wayne Foundation, or she worked for the Wayne family uh, for, for for a good handful of years. Uh, it was 30 years in the past. And, um, you know, she believes that Thomas Wayne is this really nice guy. And we're going to talk a little Thomas Wayne, too, because that's something else we, we really do need to talk, talk about societal uh, dystopia. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I view this as... Um, part of Arthur's uh, spiral down. Um, and I did, you know, when you, um, there's a key moment where she's waiting for a letter from Thomas Wayne that never comes. It's almost like an unrequited love. And she goes, and she's very ill. She's on death's bed. Uh, and she writes one more letter, one one last chance to get this letter out. And she even says, Arthur, it's extremely important this goes out. And before he pops it in the mailbox, he reads it. And what he takes away from it is that 
he is a bastard child from a, an, an illicit affair that was covered up, and it was between Thomas Wayne and Penny when mm-hmm. she worked at the at the manor. And this sets Arthur off, and then he goes on his own fact finding type of journey um, to figure out if this is true. To, to, to try to figure out his own identity at this point. And the way that I viewed it is as I, I did believe the mother was crazy. I believe that the mother was, she was nuts. Um, because when we meet Thomas Wayne in the in that theater, in the restroom, uh, and he, well, you know, basically when we see, well, let's back up a bit. There's this scene where where Arthur goes to the Wayne Manor mm-hmm. and he sees a little Bruce and he does some magic with Bruce but then he does the unholy in which he actually physically touches him and then Alfred I'm assuming that that, that was Alfred the butler comes by and Arthur says I'm Arthur Fleck I'm Penny Fleck's son and he goes oh you're that mm-hmm. oh like so there's automatically Alfred the butler recognizes the name, recognizes who he is, and sees a problem, a major, major problem, grabs Bruce away, and basically Arthur runs away. And then we get to this whole, during this uh, 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 rally, you want to say, at this theater, this benefit that the Wayne is holding, he sneaks in, he's in the bathroom. And then we learn from Thomas Wayne is like, yeah, your mom worked for me. Mm-hmm. He goes, we had to have her sent away. She was crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, you're, you're adopted. He goes, what do you mean I'm adopted? And that whole scene to me right there, A, I do believe that scene happened. Uh, he got punched in the face. And he felt that. It took him out of his reverie because he has this condition of laughing at any, at inappropriate moments. We all laugh at inappropriate moments sometimes when people fall, right? Um, But to me, and then he goes and he does some reconnaissance and he goes to Arkham Hospital Mm -hmm. and he finds records. And my whole take on it is is that this is why she was crazy, is that if she was sent to Arkham by the Waynes, she wouldn't hold this love for the Waynes if she wasn't if she wasn't crazy and somebody put you in an insane asylum you'd be pretty pissed you'd be like what the hell like and you'd come out of that insane asylum probably trying to ruin those people's lives and but she didn't mm-hmm. she held a, she held a, like she held the Waynes to the highest level of stature and savior is like almost deity like that the he can't. If he knew where we lived, if he knew where we lived, he he wouldn't like this at all. And it's like, oh no, you you you. To me, I looked at it as kind of she was crazy, and that to Arthur, that was more or less it. He lost every connection and relationship to reality, to to connection with human beings. If his own mother is not being truthful. With him, and he's teetering. See, I didn't find Arthur as sympathetic. He was already a little off. It's how this character is going to go. And this guy was all he was doing is trying to look for a little empathy from somebody. And one one person, he thought he could guarantee get that from is his mom. Mm-hmm. And then he finds out no, even my oh, even my own mother lies to me about my life. Like, I'm adopted. Like, and there's no relationship with the Wayne. He just punched me in the nose. Like, I mean, the shock to the system for him, one can imagine it. It's really perfectly visualized, I thought, thematically. So what do you think about that? I totally understand your perspective. And I think that's, you know, one perspective of what the movie is trying to do is trying to, like, differentiate between reality and dreams and psychosis. And I think that... It could be true that, yeah, maybe the mom is crazy. And I understand your perspective when you say, oh, how can someone love <laughs> love another person who put them in an insane asylum if they weren't crazy? But I don't think that that is enough justification to prove that she's crazy, just the fact that she still holds love 
for Bruce Wayne's father. I think that... Do you believe that Thomas Wayne was the father? Because I, I didn't. I don't know who the father would be, but I think there has to be something that went on in, like, in terms of, like, some sort of, like, either romantic relationship or sexual relationship. There has to be something that happened. There's no smoke without fire. So... Uh- I think there has to be, like, some sort of morsel of truth there. And I think this movie says a lot about the voiceless and how when there is a power imbalance, you can easily be written off as crazy, thrown in an insane asylum. Like, nobody believes your story because of this power asymmetry. Like, how many Mm -hmm. times did the victims of Harvey Weinstein feel silenced and they had no power to speak up? And now there's, like, this whole Me Too movement and Gloria Allred represented so many women Mm -hmm. affected by, you know, different white men in power who silenced the voice of women and dismissed them as crazy. So I think that's, like, part of what this movie says is, like, oh, it's very much possible that his mom could be crazy, but it's also very much possible that she is telling the truth and that she's not lying to her son. And it's also well, possible that she... Well, she was that, lying that to she, her son. It's Let's also, be honest. It's also she, possible that she is telling let, the truth to her son in what she believes to be the truth, mm-hmm. even if it is the lie. Right. So maybe that's she crazy. believes in that's the crazy. lie. That, that's something that, that's that, crazy. That's mental illness. That, okay, right. crazy. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm not... made. That's, yeah. that's still crazy. But again, she did lie to the son. She... But we don't know who Joker's father is. You don't, but you don't know. Who we don't know. I, I, again, so then you don't believe that Thomas Wayne is the dad. He could be, yeah, though. Yeah, but you don't... Again, it could be Alfred. It could be anybody. It could be Alfred. It really could be anybody. But here's the thing. It could be anyone. There, there's uh, no I mean, reason that someone... Like, he, Bruce... Like, that whole dynamic that with the butler being so scared of yes. this person, that could just be orders or, like, a directive that was given to him. Hey, if oh, Joker no. ever comes oh. into the picture, if this person ever comes in, run, there's because no, they're crazy. No, I mean, but they would know the son. Okay, unless he came out and said, I am so, I am Penny Fleck's son. To me, again, when you're working, if she was working in Wayne Manor, right, okay, so there might be a lot of people there, but if somebody goes crazy in there and they're a little bit off, even, even, let's put it to you this way, where, and we're going to talk about his work relationship, the people that Arthur worked with, his boss even said, you know, the other co workers are a little bit afraid of you. Like, you're a little bit off. He is off, but that doesn't mean that his version of reality doesn't have merit. What I'm getting at is, if she's off, her coworkers are going to know about it. They're going to know that she's a little off. Like, like you don't stand out being crazy. Like, she stood out, and there was something going on that they had to put her away. Mm -hmm. And she was put away. We don't... I didn't see the documents for however many years... She was put away. But what what I think she's trying to say and what I kind of take away from the film is you can you can you can believe the movie doesn't give you any clear answers mm-hmm. and it leaves it all up for discussion and interpretation. Mm-hmm. So therefore when you see the documentation that is ultimately given knowing that a person who has power who has money has the potential of being able to forge Materials mm-hmm. to cover something up. We've seen this happen so many times before. <laughs> and considering that the vision of his mom when he's reading the materials is coming from his own perspective in his mind, and he's already a little cuckoo upstairs, <laughs> you therefore don't know mm-hmm. if his thoughts in that moment are what he's envisioning or what really happened. Mm-hmm. So therefore... You both have valid points, and that's what's really up for discussion because right. she can be right and you can be right. Yeah. yeah. Because and that's the great thing about this movie, is, and that's why I think this character is so, such the important figure of this movie yeah. because it really comes back to whether or not the mom is lying to him, whether, like she's saying, is, is, it, is it in her head and she thinks she's doing the right thing, or is it someone of a higher power who's really a douchebag? Who is Which, who is really have yeah. taken control of the situation and right. made this person feel this way. And we have this way right? we battered wife syndrome, right? Sure. Like where like, yeah, some, like Stockholm syndrome. Right, exactly. Right. Someone could be beaten and says, Oh, I love you. I love you. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Right. 
And the thing is, is that you get, and, and that becomes a form of mental illness in Absolutely. a way, too. Yeah. So Absolutely. There's, that relationship to me, even seeing it multiple times, is not 100% clear. Right. I don't know. I'm still not 100% sold that she was, in fact, crazy and she was lying to them. Yeah. Or if that was really her truth or whether it was the truth. Yeah. And that someone still covered it up. I, and, and also playing on the fact that we don't know for sure if he is adoptive, e- adopted, yeah. even if the papers are there. Because remember there was that flashback where she's being forced to sign something, but you don't know if that's yes. in her head or if it's reality. And you don't know because of the power imbalance what you know Bruce Wayne's father is able to do with, with the what? mansion that he lives in, with the state of how Gotham City is. I mean, in every portrayal of Batman and the Joker, Bruce Wayne's father is portrayed as like this very charitable figure. Mm-hmm. But this movie is different because yes. it is being told from Joker's perspective that we really don't know the reality. But a lot of it isn't told for I mean, yes, it's 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 Joker it's but, but there are scenes though. I mean they do change the character of of, of Wayne's. We're gonna get to the Wayne's yeah. in a little bit. And I do want to say this one thing though. Again the other the other key to me was the um the um, the administrative guy at, at Arkham Hospital, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that you know he gets it, he's reading it, and then he looks up, he goes, "Wait, you're the son?" He goes, "Oh, oh, okay." Yeah, and so that's a, that's the second person, yeah, who like goes, "Oh, you're the son, you're the okay." You know what? You need to go. But here's like, the other thing, though. You right? need to go. If we can both yeah. agree that the mother and the son is off in some sort of way, we don't know if the mother's mental illness, if she even has one, we don't know if it's biological or if it was nurtured by an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we don't know if her son, the way mental illness works, especially if it's something like schizophrenia, mm-hmm. for instance, you have a higher percentage right. of having mental illness if you have someone in your family who has mental illness. Right. So, if it's factually accurate that she does indeed have mental illness and her diagnosis of psychosis is correct, there's a high likelihood that her son would also have it. But that but that would also make it that her son is her biological son and, mm-hmm. in fact, not her adoptive son. Well, but, and that would change the course of the entire did, story right, to show that part of her story that's is true, factually but they correct. they go out of its way to say he was abused. Horribly, you can have abused. both though. You can have mental illness but, and be abused though. They, they don't have true. to be mutually exclusive. But the type of abuse that he had could make, and there was no yeah trauma. But there was no. There but was there was trauma. no. See, there was okay. Again, going back to her point with within Wayne Manor at the time, <laughs> you don't know if it was people within that where they abused her. You don't. You like there. This is and no, there's I a reason. Him. No, I, I know yeah. that. But what I'm saying is. If he's there and, and they say in that statement he was abused multiple times, how do you know it wasn't by people that Wayne knew? Mm-hmm. How do you know that it wasn't that she was passed around? I mean, we've seen so many things like this. Yeah. Where, like, a woman is passed around in a, in a, in a higher executive office sure. of, because of sure. being attractive and stuff like that. Right. Which I think is why it was so important to show the younger version to see, like, oh, right. she was really attractive kind of thing, too. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that could add into it. But, and it took place in the 70s. Right, and it mind. took in the 70s. And that's why I think it's so important to go back to the fact that um, Brian Tyree Henry's character mm-hmm, mm-hmm. basically looked at the paperwork, but he said, I, don't, I didn't work here, I don't know this. And in that time, we weren't used to things being exposed for fraud right. and for being forged. Right. So there's just, I don't know, there's, there's so much that can be said. And to her right. point about mental illness... Todd Phillips and Scott Silver made it a priority mm-hmm. to not make it about one type of mental illness. Right. There was no mention of oh, no. schizophrenia or anything like mm-hmm. that. So by not giving it a definition, right. as she said, it could be so many different things. Right. So you don't know what the takeaway was, what he was right. really suffering from. Right. And yeah. they made that a priority not to, to define it. And I also, agree. everything that he could have inherently could be compounded by his environment. Like The entire movie is about the unraveling of Arthur Fleck's character so that we see the transition from Arthur Fleck to the Joker Mm -hmm. so that not just so that we have empathy towards it I mean we can have whatever reaction we want to it some of us may feel empathy some of us may feel shock and horror we all might have different reactions and interpretations to the events but the point is is that this character Arthur Fleck um 
obviously is not part of the the norm in society. He's an outcast, he's misunderstood, and he's not being treated the way other people in society are. Not just because of his socioeconomic status, but also his personality, um, his awkwardness, his inability to socialize properly with people. And on top of that, we see beating after beating. So not only was he apparently abused early in his life as a child, he was also abused in the very beginning of the movie and beat up with the sign that he was carrying when he was dressed up as a clown. And then he faced more and more of this as the story progresses. And then he's being given a gun and being given all these (laughs) props when he's not in the mental condition to be able to do these things. And we realize with his character that all he really wants, not to simplify this in any sort of way, but he wants love. And that is demonstrated in the reveries that he has when he daydreams about the neighbor. Don't don't get ahead. (laughs) I don't want to get ahead of things. I just want to stay right now with the mom. That's what's going on. No, but I, I, yeah, we just talked a lot about stuff, but I I wanted to stay again, I think, and, and what, when you see the movie, or if you've seen the movie, what are your thoughts on the mom? Again, my thought is that's part of his the evolution like that it is like oh i, I don't is, disagree with you on yeah. that factor i but, think it, it's definitely the turning that. point because he believes and i think and that's maybe where the disconnect is he believes that she she lied to him right and that's that's something happens uh and that that is that's the reason why it happens right but what i think what she's saying is that there's still this gray area mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where you exactly. don't really know right. 100%. Yeah. Because it's not told from her perspective right. what really happened. Yeah. There's that there's that gap where it's not really a focus from her. We get it from Thomas Wayne's perspective. Yep. We get it from the guy who gives the paperwork and 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 Arthur can reflect on what he thinks happens well, but we her, never her, see a flashback from her perspective but her we never pers- do. but her perspective because we don't need to she tells what her perspective is right from the get go yeah i love thomas wayne if he knew where i was right now he would he would get us out of here he wouldn't be happy right now we know her perspective she loves the Wayne family. She loves Thomas Wayne. She believes that he's going to be the savior of Gotham City. In fact, she she is the perspective that we've been given as 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 followers, whether you read the comics or not, of 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 like looking at Thomas Wayne really being the guy. He's the guy that 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 young Bruce Wayne wanted to aspire to be to give back to Gotham. It's part of the reason not because his parents were killed in front of him, but he wanted to be a better man. Um, so for me, we do get her perspective in whatever state of mind she's in. I think it's, And that, I think, is the most fascinating part. Arthur ends up seeing it as another deception from another person. Um, so, yeah, I really, again, this is one of the aspects of this movie that I love so much is because of this type of discussion. What ends up being real? Like, do you believe the mother? I mean, obviously the mother, the facts we know is the mother worked there. Mm-hmm. We know that, right? We know that the mother was in Arkham Hospital. Um, we know that the mother is sick. We know that Arthur takes care of his mom. Um, but which, what her point was no. is that if she if the if 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 she was crazy mm-hmm. and he was adopted, that throws a whole wrench into the situation. How so? Because that means that a crazy woman would have had to adopt a crazy kid. Mm-hmm. Which is just a seems, coincidence. yeah. Well, which is such a seems like again, such a weird could, coincidence. It couldn't be nature versus nurture. I mean, if this kid was being abused as a five year old, six year old, he's, he's being chained to a hot radiator. That's how he was found. This is what was in the notes. That this was all all in there. And Thomas Wayne knew that. He goes, "You're not my son." But, but what happens but, if maybe so. Thomas Wayne, maybe Arthur Fleck was actually the kid of Thomas Wayne. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that he abused both of them and caused them to go in the night. That's, right no, that's literally what I'm thinking is yeah. that there is a possibility that 
at one point Thomas Wayne might have been amazing <laughs> right, right. to, you know, Arthur Fleck's mother. He might have been amazing. He might have told her, I love you, I'm in love with you, this. Then he has a, a kid with someone else from a higher socioeconomic status, has this whole life that he wants to preserve, wants to run for mayor, is part of the elite. Why would he be with Arthur Fleck's mom when he has a different type of life? I don't it's, know. It's like I asked Arnold Schwarzenegger. But that's like every politician <laughs> like, that yeah, has someone on their side, has yeah. a mistress on the side, and I, wants to pay them money or hush them up or make them sound crazy so that they can go on and live the life that they yeah. really want to live while having this mistress on the side. Yeah. That is very much a possibility with what happened. Yeah. And the fact that she still loves him could be because she only remembers you know the good she yeah. only remembers when he was good to her and also when you have trauma any sort of like PTSD or trauma your memory of events is very fuzzy where you can yeah. block out negative and only remember the positive could, you can go I don't know if you're going to block out not, an entire stay at Arkham Asylum or Arkham Hospital as it's put in this movie but, so but I want to move on to the neighbor um, because again I do think that the well the mother to your point Scott is the most important yeah. art relationship I think the second most important uh, is the neighbor. The neighbor uh, lives a few doors down in, um, uh, fr- from Arthur and his mom. Um, right now, I forget uh, Zazie Beats. Zazie Beats, but I forget the character's name. Um, I have it up so, here. Uh, Sophie Dummins. Yeah. So Sophie and her daughter, who also live in this decrepit apartment building, they meet in the elevator. And they have um, they have a an interesting um, communication, <laughs> uh, so to speak. She's having a rough day, and you know, as some people might do, she she does the she puts the gun in her head. It's almost it's the Travis Bickle. Like that's why I do believe that Arthur Fleck is a modern day Travis Bickle. But she does this, and he looks at it as comedy, like. Arthur's view of this is like, oh, oh yeah, I get that. That's sort of funny. And, and when he's walking down the hall, he's like, hey. And he does it with a little more flair. She's like, yeah, okay. But he follows her, let's say the next day. And later in the movie, she comes knocking on the door to address it. And they begin to have a, a bit of a relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and... A seemingly nice relationship. She was understanding. He invited her to his comedy show, and she seemed to kind of get it. She was laughing. She was having a good time. She was there when the mother had to go to the hospital. She was there to console him. But then we find out, and again, spoiler, spoiler. Oh my god, I'm getting chills. Mm-hmm. I'm literally getting and, chills. And, and again, there was no... And seeing the movie twice, too, there were no clues to the fact that that relationship never existed. You mm-hmm. find out it never existed. The character existed, mm-hmm. and the way we found out was horrifying. Oh my gosh. Horrifying. So that is a that was a crazy relationship in a sense. Yeah. And that's when you start going that's when you question reality. Mm-hmm. Like what is go, mm-hmm. going on here when she when he after his rough day and and into uh Sophie's thing too he it's pouring out he goes into their house or their apartment he sits down she comes out of her daughter's bedroom and she's shocked They're like what are you doing here you're in the wrong apartment he said i just had a really bad day and she turns into well is there anybody we can call like yeah. what can we do? She goes into this really. She goes into a, a sweet mode, like a like like a helpful, mm-hmm. like very nurturing mother. Yeah, it was actually to me. I found it to be kind of sweet. And then they sort of zoom in to Arthur Fleck, and then the next scene we see Arthur Fleck walking out of the apartment. Now, mm-hmm. are they alive? Mm. Yeah, they're alive. Are they? Yeah, we never see them again. How do you know? I feel like they are alive. I mean, he he was triggered because he she said, "Can we call your mother?" And that was at the point that the mother was not there anymore. Right. right. Um so that his whole world fell apart. The fact that your the, the number one relationship we all agreed on this panel, his yeah. relationship to his mother. Right. That's no longer happening. The second most important relationship that you said was his relationship to this neighbor. 
that's also not real and his entire world unravels and now he has to go back to his empty apartment and crawl into but his refrigerator <laughs> i mean but, but how do you know we don't we don't know but it was like, never hinted that he did anything violent towards them you right. don't know you don't know but you don't there's no reason to believe that he did either though why he broke into their apartment I mean, like, you don't know. Well... I mean, because this was also the beginning of... Like, this was the beginning of his term. Like, this was, like, not just... And we'll go... Not just what happened on the train earlier, Mm -hmm. right? Which was, you know, you could say that started everything... But this is the beginning of his unraveling. This is the beginning of the death of Arthur Flagg. You would think that if he did do that, that from an objective, like, omniscient point of view, whatever the narrator's point of view in the story is, that it would pan to some sort of image of them in distress or dead on the floor. And the movie didn't do that, even though it did it in other scenarios. But again, if you're questioning reality, it's a possibility. I can't say it's not true, but I can. In in that case, I can bring up anything. Implausible or crazy. But we just did with the mom. Yeah. And so, again, it's like, are they alive or are they dead? Yeah. I mean, you just don't know. We never see them again. Like, never see them again. Probably just extremely traumatized. I also think that they're still alive. And the reason why is because in a scene that happens a few moments after that, um, there is a two gentlemen from the club that he used, uh, the the job place. Ha 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 ha. Where he works at, and one of those people do get killed, and the other person does not. And as the one gentleman is leaving, he says, "You were the only one who was nice to right. me." I want to kiss him on that the kiss him on the head. But going back to her point about why I feel that she didn't is that in his mind throughout this movie, that is ultimately you made up this wonderful statement about love and him, that's his whole por- purpose was mm-hmm. that he was looking to find love and he made up this 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 relationship with this character hoping that he would find love and this was his definition of what he wanted right. out of out of life and this is really all he wanted he wanted someone to come home to who would comfort him on a but bad day sweet. and it was sweet um you know it you know creepy a little bit and you can tell something was off by the, when the scene in the movie where he follows her and then he, she comes back to the door and then she opens the door and she's like did you follow me the other day and then like it's just like she's kind of like cool with it and you're like okay like she can't be crazy too like everyone in this movie can't be crazy right. so there's got to be something going yeah. on with and, this and for and for one moment Arthur seemed comfortable right for mm-hmm. one moment when because he told the truth and then she said, well, I, I was kind of hoping you would come back and rob the bank. And for one moment, he was actually funny when he said, yeah. well, I got a gun. Yeah. I can come back tomorrow. Right. And that's actually very yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah. That, that was very, that was like the one time where his comedy worked and she cracked a smile. Yeah. Like that was a very sweet moment. And you're like, oh. I don't think that moment happened. It didn't. It didn't. I don't think. Because I don't think any. I don't think any of that. Any of it, none of that any happened. Of it happened besides the, elev- elevator the elevator scene in the yep. beginning and him stalking her. And, and, and then stalking right, her. And the the that she never confronted him about no, no, stalking. He no, just no. had this fixation with her. But right. I have a hot take, you guys, and this is really <laughs> <laughs> this is really important because yeah. building on the concept of oh he wasn't loved and this is something that was a void in his life that he always wanted and it's mirrored in how. His, his brain and his mind drifts off in these daydreams where he just wants to be loved. Like, I think the thing, the key thing that we're forgetting is that Arthur Fleck, like, all he wanted to do other than be loved was love other people and entertain them. And it's shown in his dreams where he's like, my mom said that my purpose is to bring joy and laughter to right. everyone. And that's when he puts on the clown mask, he wants to make people happy. He is the no. most himself and in his element when he's dancing, when he's trying to make people happy, when people are receptive right. to him. Because that is, like, the crux of, like, human connection. And the fact that all he wanted to do oh. was entertain and bring joy to other people and also feel that joy in return is just, just at the core of our no, humanity he, as people. He just wanted to make people smile. Yeah. Like that was that was like his highest that, that was about as high as his ambitions went. <laughs> yeah. But like, no one beat him down right. for it. No, right. well, well, society, no, I, 
absolutely. We'll get into that, but no, absolutely. But all he, but again, the man was a little off to begin with. But all he tried to do is uh, that—that that was about as high as his ambitions went. All I'm saying and with the char- with the neighbor character the neighbor. is yeah. that the reason why I don't think anything happened to her is because. She was never mean to him, right? She and, and he showed this pattern, you know. Although it was only once, someone who wasn't mean to him didn't end up in the rat. And, rats, and, and so the the can I call your mom? Can I call your? Yeah, what might have been was that kindness phrase? that he was like looking for, and that he you know he you know he kind of walked yeah. out. You know, there was no scene in that. Like at the end of the movie, there's it's left up to interpretation. I know we're going off topic. Where like. Something happens with one of the other characters, and you see blood on the floor. Sure. With this case scenario, he walks out. You see him walking out of there. Right. There's no blood at right. all. Mm-hmm. So that's why I agree with her yeah. that I do think okay. that she's still alive. Very good. And he's points. always yep. taking yep. care yep. of other. Like he's taking care of his mom in the movie. Right. He's trying to bring joy. It's not about just like the fame. It's about. Being and he never recognized. takes violence towards women either. No. And, and most of the movie, I it's always that. It, it was yeah. always towards men. And the times that yes. he is violent, do you realize that well, the times that he is violent is when it's in self-defense. Yes, that's uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's another. Come on, factor. that's why I'm no. so upset. At, like, <laughs> I just feel so upset and heated because I feel like, you know, the people, the the reactions to the Joker and how he's just like gone crazy and devolved. Like, yeah, that is true to a certain extent, but look at the events leading up to that and how he was so kind in so many instances when he tries to like. Like how how do people respond to his kindness? Like when he's interacting with future Batman and he's doing yeah. a magic trick, yeah. and people are like, "Oh, you freak!" Yeah, but okay, you know what okay. I mean. Okay, but he did the. If your mom and some stranger <laughs> came up to your kid and yeah, starts doing right. this, right. please, please, like, <laughs> let's not. You're right, you're let's, right. Like, but, let's not. I, the only thing I'll give you. But you understand what I'm saying. No, I do. The only thing, like, <laughs> so he's <funny>. off. <laughs> yeah, you tell me as a mom that you would be no. okay with that. So I you're, understand. You're right. Again, I understood Thomas Wayne's fear. And the thing, like, you ever lay a hand on my son again, I'll fucking kill you, he says. And he walks out. But I want to go back again to the neighbor. I do, I, I, I agree with your point, too, with she, like, at first was, what are you doing in my apartment? You're in the, oh, you're Arthur. But that, for the audience, you're like, what the, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And But when she says, when he says, I had a really bad day, and she all of a sudden softens yeah. and says, and then he walks out. So I want to go, uh, I'm going to, we're going to go back to the therapist, but I want to talk about his relationship with boss and coworkers since since we brought up. That's when he really goes off the rails. Yes. And then we have Jerry, the little man. <laughs> and yeah. so there was the gentleman uh, at the beginning of the movie uh, after he got, after he got beat with his own sign. Uh, the next day, he's like, hey, man, you got to protect yourself. He goes, here. And he gives him a gun. And he goes, don't worry. It's just between us. And when in the hospital scene, when he's doing the song and dance, and he's very happy, everybody's smiling, laughing. It's all obviously a children's ward, and they were very sick. And then the gun falls out. You're like, oh, shit. And, you know, he picked it up. Uh and then his boss pretty much his fires him. What do you have a gun for? And and I think it was Ray might have been that that, that character's prop. name. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. He goes, well, he told me a week ago you were trying to buy a gun off him. One other one other person just lying to him yeah, right. and actually like just turning him over. Yeah. Right. So when they come over, and, and it's very interesting because they come over to the house, and you think, well, the premise is. We heard your mom died. We wanted to come over, maybe have some drinks with you. The you know brown paper bag, uh, and then uh, I guess you should look up his name. I don't want to mis mis misquote that character's name, but he says, "Oh yeah, man, and and you know these detectives have been coming around and they've been asking us a lot of questions." And even Jerry, the little man, says. Nobody ever talked to me. And, yeah. And he's like, again, it's because you're not a normal size. So, like, Jerry had no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, then he's, and then he goes to Arthur. So, Arthur, what did you tell these guys? I want to make sure our story's lined up. And Arthur's already wise to him because he already sold him down a river twice. And that is right there probably the most violent 
death in the movie. Yes. I mean, there's been shooting. Yeah. Um, there was more shooting to come, but that was the, by yeah. far. Scissors in the throat and then in the eyes. Oh, my socket. gosh. No. And then he mm. pushed it in up against the thing, and poor Jerry. Poor Jerry. And then the, <laughs> the biggest joke. The scene in the well, movie. people were cracking, but you, oh, again. So dark. Think about this, though. This is this is the punchline that the Joker gets. There's there's a there's a little guy. I told him to leave. He can't leave because he can't reach the latch. Like the Joker would find this hysterical, and he did. Right. And the audience <laughs> does too. So for that moment, again, we all laugh at other people's discomfort. And when things go awry, somebody trips on a crack in the street. You'll go, oh my god, that was... And then you might want to get... Most of us will also go, hey, can I help you get up? But you, you'll, we, We've yeah. all done it. When Jerry can't reach that, mm-hmm. not only is it, it's laughable, but it's horrific. Yeah. And when, when he goes, sure... Because just a second before when he was walking by... Arthur's like, ah! And he scares the shit out of the audience and of poor Jerry. He comes over, he opened the door, and then he shuts it. Yeah. And then he says, to me, this is the most tenderest of Mm -hmm. real relationships. When he says, Jerry, you're the only person that treated me right. That's why I'm letting you go. And he kisses him on the forehead. He opens the door. And Jerry's like, feet don't fail me now. (laughs) Let me get out of here. And But to me... It, that was the tenderest mm-hmm. relationship that Arthur had. And it was true. And you felt for Jerry. You laughed. That is a crazy scene. His boss sells him down the river. And again, to to all of our points from earlier on, none of this was necessarily of Arthur's fault. The, these ruffians steal his board. They beat the shit out of him with his own board. They crack it in his face face, not just his head, his face. Mm-hmm. It cracks. And then when Arthur's telling the truth and the boss is like, you need to you need to give that board back and he'd go, why would I keep that board? Right, right. He goes, why would I keep it? And and here's the line though, that I think that, that from societal dystopia how the hell do I know why people do anything yeah. in this world? How the hell do I know that? And you go, well, it's kind of true, but yeah. we as an audience saw, just saw what happened. Yeah. And you kind of like, all right, so my boss doesn't believe me. My boss is a jerk. And then he ends up getting fired. And again, I thought it was funny. Oh, yeah, I forgot to punch out. <laughs> and he punches the, the punch clock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So his, he, had, and he had this weird relationship with work, but the only person in that workplace was little Jerry. Oh, and yeah. you know, yeah. which is very, very nice relationship. It's so, so endearing. I want to go talk about the therapist because um, I, I do think you, you missed a big, big factor Wait, of that uh, of, of that of which one of, of those characters. Okay, which because time, please well, you, bring it you, up. you brought it up earlier. Yeah, is Murray. that yeah? Is that he gets it's Murray, right? The, yeah. The um, so Murray? Robert De Niro plays Murray Franklin. Oh no, 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 no. Which one? So no, I was the, talking the about the the coworker there who actually gives him the gun. That is oh, the biggest yeah. plot point yeah. of this movie, and one that I think is being ignored by most reviews who are trying to say something about this being violent. All right, please, yeah, okay. go ahead. Let's, so, let's tackle it. So, so, in reality, we don't know anything about this guy, but he works at the same place where Arthur Fleck works, and he, too, seems like he's a down-on-his-luck kind of guy. He doesn't seem very happy. He seems kind of miserable. And he hands this guy, this mentally disabled person, whatever he has, we don't know, a gun. A gun. Mm -hmm. That, to me, in itself, speaks volumes about the problem that we have, whether this movie is taking place in the 80s or now, Mm -hmm. about how easy it is for someone to get a gun. And how... And nothing has changed. And nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. And how, by him getting that gun, and that person just rightfully giving him one, Knowing that he is incapable of doing a simple task without something happening to him. Right. He takes no care and, right. and or worry in what he has just done. No, he doesn't. And therefore, when the violence starts happening, in a weird way, it's be only because he is given that device right. from someone else. Mm-hmm. It's not that he's sitting there in the middle of getting beat up. 
right. and starts fighting back or anything right. like that, or like takes out a knife and starts stabbing people, or goes to a gun shop and buys a gun. He was given a gun. True. And he uses it, as you said, as a form of self-defense. Right. And another thing that people don't point out in that scene is that if he didn't start start uh, stop uh, start laughing like he did, mm-hmm. there's a woman in that right. scene. We're talking where, okay. We're talking in the scene in the train. We're so, scene in the with train. The three yuppies. Yeah. The three Wall Street people. And they're harassing her. Absolutely. And you don't know what's going to happen because it no. seems like it's going some way. Mm-hmm. And then he starts laughing and he takes, again, like you said, just want to be caring, loving. Right. He's trying to help her out by by becoming a distraction for her. So you think oh, that, okay. I thought that was accidental. See, I thought it was accidental laughing. too. Because you know how it's an it uncontrollable his... fit of laughter. I thought um, it was... I, I didn't know he was. I thought that he was clearly affected by what was happening and upset, but that he couldn't react to it the way he wanted to, and that's why he had the uncontrollable fit. In all honesty, that's the way I looked at it too, because, yeah. you know, I, I, I looked at it as he, he was laughing inappropriately, and that he couldn't it sounded like that laugh, um, and that he did inadvertently save that woman. That's for yeah. sure because she and I don't know. I don't know for sure, but giving the female relationships in the film and how sure. he he seemed to value them so much more. Right. Besides the one lady on the bus, but again, right. the one lady in the bus and nothing happened to her. He just no. kind of like was upset. That and she couldn't remember the, the car. I know. Yeah, like, no, even when but, she was rude, she, yeah. he still didn't yeah, do exactly. anything. Yeah, exactly. That was but, a thing we to explain. Yeah. But again, again, let's let's go from bus to train. Wait, for, first on whole, whole, um, who's who's uh, now on the boards over there? Ryan, is it you? Nobody's <laughs> there. Uh, Jeff, all? Jeff is here. Oh, hey, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff, um, how much time? How much we got time left? do we got? Because there's so the, much to the, dissect. There's so much to talk about about on this movie right now. Let's do ten more minutes, guys. Okay, ten more minutes. That's all we got. <laughs> what well, I say? I say we just stay on the characters then. That's okay. what I think was important. But um, yeah, I, what were you going to say about the? This thing, I just think well, that all the female no, all, characters. All I'm saying is, is that like th- th- this is a so the bus, right? Yeah. This was, like, yeah. We we saw what he was doing. He was making the kid laugh. Don't bother my son. Leave my son alone. That's extraordinarily rude. He starts to laugh. We know he's a little off, but I think too this is part of like part of his downward spiral. This is part of his. The evolution where he's trying to do the good thing it doesn't happen then we have the scene in the train right and we see what's happening he starts to laugh she is able to escape she's able to escape um and then and then it becomes like death wish it becomes like that scene in death wish he shoots he shoots the two people he shoots two people kills them right on the train and then the third he kills on uh on the steps and it's this that's the spark. That's the spark, and I, you know, we we haven't even been able to, to talk about societal dystopia, but that's the spark that begins the wave, the wave of the have uh, of the have nots, who are like trying to rise up, trying to resist the haves, the Thomas Waynes of the world, who calls them clowns because you know he's like, well, they're all clowns. They're all a bunch of clowns. They're they're lower than me, um, and. So, you know, he wasn't going to kill the mom. Like, he wasn't at that state yet. Had this happened later in the movie, Mm -hmm. he might have been, oh, son, turn your eyes. And then he would have, like, like, stabbed her in the eyes. Right. You know, and he was still passing out the card about, you know. But we see this card throughout the movie, even the detectives. And the detective about questions it, right? about it, mm-hmm. so I found that to be uh, you know extraordinarily like it, it's just fascinating that he has the the disabled card like hi I'm deaf or hi I you know I can't do this and this is the 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 I I, I laugh uncontrollably it's it's a it's a symptom so and they even say is yeah. this a real thing it is a, no, yeah. no 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 oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was talking like <laughs> through the detectives saying oh, I laugh at the wrong time all the time but. <laughs> <laughs> he he basically, you know, the detective was like, "Is this a is this a put on?" He goes, uh, "You know, he what did he say? He said something like very flip." He goes, "Well, that that's for you to find out or something." Then he turns around and he walks into the exit door, right? Which was funny, but again, that's funny. He walked physical into physical comedy. It's yeah. he didn't mean to do it, but again, if you 
you laugh because Peter's like, uh, that's the exit. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes in. So I just think that his the violence starts. We know that that shooting was a spark that started this wave. We know Thomas Wayne. Again, Thomas Wayne calls them all clowns, right? And then... And the next day when he's doing a press conference, it specifically said in the news, the newscaster was like, yeah, he took no, there was like, didn't even attempt an apology. What else do we know from from a man (laughs) in (laughs) politics who has no attempt to ever apologize for anything nasty or rude that he says? I mean, I thought that that was a very telling dichotomy um, with that. So, yeah, the Waynes were depicted quite differently in this movie than we ever have seen before. Um, you know, we talked about, too, about the relationship with uh, reality. This relationship with reality is fascinating in this movie, and I think it's something to be studied later on in psychosis, mental illness. Um, the girlfriend, obviously, the mom, you know, people can debate. Uh, forever, but I think that's what makes this movie great. Mm-hmm. I did, I did really want to talk about why this movie was was, was filmed in the eighties or nineteen eighty one, because I do believe that I, I think it's a perfect, perfect time. Uh, it was a perfect time in society. Like eighty nineteen eighty one is the middle of a transition that the whole country was going through, and and again going to what this movie is modeled after. In the 70s, there was a lot of anger, and, and, and the movies reflected that anger. And a lot of the movies did not end on happy. Like, people weren't feeling good, and their movies were reflective of people not feeling good. Taxi Driver being one of them. Network being a satire, not being one of them, but about a ratings-getting news person who ends up getting assassinated on live TV. Mm-hmm. So... I think that 1981 was a perfect mirror to set up to our society because people are angry. I loved how they kept on saying the anger builds, and I loved how Arthur Fleck's disposition changed the angrier that Gotham City became. Mm -hmm. And it became super rats. Like, it was just, it was falling into decay, Mm -hmm. as was. Arthur Fleck's psychosis, as as his mind was was losing it. Um, so, and those movies in the seventies were violent movies. Um, Taxi Driver, like I said, Travis Bickle. This whole thing, Travis Bickle's reality, is always questioned from that movie from Scorsese. But the other movie, The King of Comedy, which came out in nineteen eighty three, another Scorsese movie. That it was almost as if this movie were built or filmed in a Scorsese universe. You know, where Rupert Pupkin believed he was a funny comedian, but it was all in his head. And he ends up kidnapping the late-night talk show host, Jerry Lewis. But in this movie, we have Arthur Fleck doing the same thing. He's his reality of it all. And again, he wanted a father figure. Mm -hmm. And how does he imagine him going... God, I would give all this up to have a son like you. Yeah. To have a person like you. That was heartbreaking. It was like, well, you know, but he but he loved, you know, it was so... Um, I, that's why I personally love that it was set here, and I do believe it makes it timeless, because if it was set today, I think it's too easy to point out, like, social oh... Social media. Social media. I want to talk social media for a second, too. The television set. Mm-hmm. Television in the 70s and in the 80s millions upon millions of viewers and ratings. Mm-hmm. Like, as big as bag, Big Bang Theory is, people say it's really huge, a lot of ratings, never as big as MASH, mm-hmm. which is in the 70s, or, or All in the Family, which is a satire of, of, of the going, the social economics <laughs> and, and race. That was, Scott, you had said it earlier, that was YouTube. Yeah. That, that's where people got... So when Arthur, not not Arthur, when um, Mari shows the video of Arthur, that's symbolic of that's a viral video. Mm-hmm. That is a viral video that he's showing to millions of people across the country because this is the highest rated. It's, it's the Tonight Show, mm-hmm. and the use of that I thought was brilliant. You guys, think, yeah, I no, mean, I, I mean. That- I, uh, do you have, you want to see something about this? Um, okay, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, I'll, no, I'll, I'll follow okay. you up. All right. So, I mean, to me, I think that's 
that's a key scene, uh, another key moment in the movie because it happens twice, right? You have the first scene where he's watching it with his mom. He's feeling he's feeling comfortable, right? He's mm-hmm. in his comfort zone. He's at home, laying in bed with his mom, watching the TV, watching his his, his idol. Is his, his idol? That's what I take this as. Someone I who took he, it as well. He, he wants to be a comedian. He wants to be loved by people because that's the viewpoint that he has. And so he sees himself in the audience, uh, basically standing up, and people at first around him start mocking him, and then he's like, no, 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 give him a chance, give him a chance. And there's this, this nice level of humanity there, right, where this guy who's the funny guy, who's the who's the idol, steps forward and says, you know what, you're just a regular guy, but I want, I want to bring you up to his spotlight because I can see deep down you're a good person. So he brings him into the spotlight, and he has this dream image of what this is going to be. And then when he finally gets his day and he gets he gets to um, see himself on the sh- the Murray show right. he he gets to see that they show his clip and at first he's so excited he's so excited he's like oh my god this is my moment this is my idol my idol seeing me he's going to he's going to launch my career he's going to make he's going to make all this sadness that i'm feeling right now is going to turn into joy because i'm going to finally get my breakthrough and then he watches it he's happy and then all of a sudden he starts seeing the person that he worshiped also mocking him mm-hmm. and then that person because of like what we would do today and how we know because of viral videos with YouTube and things like that because it became such a big thing and people love when you mock other people and when people fall down that's why we love celebrity culture right we we love celebrities but we love them even more when they do something that they fuck up right, right. Kim Kardashian gets in a car crash oh my god let's talk about it. what was she was she drinking was she doing this what was going on you know whatever happens we love poking fun at that so therefore in that time in the 70s you didn't have social media no and you had the television set yes and the ratings went up and therefore, they bring him in, and he makes this key point. You know, you call me Joker, you call me Joker on this show. And then he gets what he has coming. And keep in mind, once again, I want to reiterate this point. At no point in this movie does Arthur Fleck or the character Joker ever kill someone who has not done something bad to him. Correct. Ever. He only takes out. He does take out on the audience. He doesn't take out on the guests. No one. No takes one. it out on him. And he says this really great speech, which I love so much. Oh, it gives that's me my favorite it gives part me, yeah, of this entire movie. movie. And it just, he goes into it and he says, you know, you just brought me on here to make fun you're, of me. He says, he's, and it starts off with, like, you're a horrible person, too. And he's yeah. like, I'm horrible. Why am I horrible? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they, the people around him are kind of obtuse to the way that they treat other people. But I'm sorry. But yeah, yeah. no, 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 no. But I'm just yeah. saying, it's like, and that's where that point where you really learn. And then, like, he even tries to act like, He's the innocent bystander in here, right. completely ignoring the fact that he's guilty of something, right. which I thought was interesting. He's like, oh, you're so filled with self-guilt. Like, all right. the guilt right. is, like, killing yeah. me. And he's like, it's like, dude, you're a dick. You're yeah. like, you yeah. did this to yeah. him, too. But and, then, like, and then the and thing that he said uh, that I loved the most was he said, you know, all of you guys are so mad at me for killing those three people. Oh, yeah. If I were on the floor <laughs> right. and struggling, no one would bat a you single would, would eyelash. Right you would walk me. right you over me. You would walk right that over me. right there yep. summed up the entire movie yep. as nobody recognizes me. Everyone hates me for doing this to these people, but what about me? What about yep. the voiceless? And yep. that right mm-hmm. there, yep. I thought was one of the most powerful scenes of that yeah, entire absolutely. movie. Yeah, absolutely. And, and prior to that happening, too, uh, I and I call it, like, when he was prepping to go onto the show, um, he did the whole practicing routine, but then he did the knock-knock joke, and he put the, he faux shot himself in the head, and he played dead. To me, on the Blu-ray, that chapter should be called, That's the Death of Arthur Flack. In his mind, he mm-hmm. just killed Arthur Flack. And that's when he tells, I want to be called Joker. And more telling in that scene when he says that, you know, he goes, why do you want Joker? He goes, well, that's what you called me. He goes, I called you that? Really? He goes, did I I call him that? that. And he's like, I don't know. And he's like, Arthur remembers. Joker remembers. And that's part of the Joker character right there. Look, I think we may have to do a part two <laughs> we on this. Definitely have to do a part two. There, there's, you know, we never discussed the the controversy. Yeah, I um, know. 
So, so uh, yeah, I think we're going to have to schedule a part two at some point um, with this panel because, look, I think what, what I love about all of you uh, for being here is your passion for this movie. <laughs> yes. No, well, well, <laughs> we're so th- bad well it. It, it, I, I love this because we all love this movie. The reviews on it have been extraordinarily mixed to some people actually calling this hollow. And I don't know what movie they watched. Um, <laughs> we don't agree with this. But, you know, I want to discuss um, the violence uh, in this movie. I want to discuss the history of Joker, uh, the Oscar. We never got to talk about Academy Run, um, all of these things. So we may have to come back at part some two. point and do a part two to finish this up. And maybe when we do it, it'll be... Um, a lot of people have seen it then. Yeah, it's already we'll get, breaking records right, right now for the so, month of October. So, so. If people have seen it, they'll come back, maybe watch one, and, and we'll try to schedule a part two for next week, I think, because I think that the movie... There aren't a lot of movies that warrant this kind of a discussion, I believe. Mm-hmm. And when it does, and we're so passionate about it, we need to carry it on. Unfortunately, we do have time constraints, so I apologize about that. So hopefully you enjoyed what we were able to give you. Uh, I will talk to the powers that be. We will set up a part two to finish this, to put this all together. So it'll be Joker part one, Joker part two, <laughs> and then we'll edit it together like a big Quentin Tarantino thing. <laughs> uh, and it'll end up being longer than the movie, but I think it is discussion. Uh, Mina, thank you very much. Please tell us, where can people find you? You guys can find me on Instagram at Mina Makes Magic, or you can go to my website at MinaMohab.com. It's been such a pleasure talking about the Joker awesome. um, and his character arc in this movie. So everyone check out Joker this weekend. Yeah. Um, I'm Scott Menzel. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the other Scott M, or you can go to WeLiveEntertainment.com. And you can find Thank me you. here on the Popcorn Talk Network's Anatomy of a Movie. We will be back with some more movies, and, and I really want to do a part two of The Joker, uh, just because I just feel the need that we need to get this out. <laughs> yeah. We need to get this out of our system, yeah. and I think after watching it, uh, you've already seen it if you're tuning in live, but if you haven't, please uh, t- tune us in. We will. I will do my best to get us a part two next week. Thank you very much for watching. At Dimitri Panos is my Twitter account. Um, and again, go to the movies. We'll see you at the movies. Thank you so much for tuning us in. I know we went a little bit longer than necessary, but I believe the discussion was worth it. And we thank you very much for coming along for the ride and listening. Uh, we hope, uh, please, comment on YouTube. Let us know your thoughts because this movie is very open to interpretation as we proved right here. That's what makes talking about movies so much fun. Thanks for watching everybody. Take care. See you at the movies. See ya. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro and the entire Popcorn Talk Network we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network.